Are you guys with us? We know you are. So here's how you can help. First, share this podcast with your friends. We can't grow without you. Second, go to www.dmwpodcast.com and check out our merch site. I guarantee we have some great stuff that you're going to love. And your purchase helps support the show. Lastly, keep on leaving positive reviews and follow on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Deadman Walking Podcast. As always, we appreciate your prayers as we continue to bring glory to God. Exploring theology, doctrine, and all of the fascinating subjects in between, broadcasting from an undisclosed location, Dead Men Walking starts now. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dead Men Walking. I'm your host, Greg Moore, back with my co-host, Jason Hamlin. Jason, how are you, hello, sir? Hello, doing great, doing great. He's going to stay up on that mic this time oh, so we yeah, can hear him. let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a special guest in studio with us today, Pastor Greg Withrow. Am I saying that right? Is it Withrow? He is the senior pastor of the Assemblies of Christians in Lambertville correct? He was the director of the Toledo Reform Theological Conference from 1994 to 2008, and a current board member of FIRE, the Fellowship of Independent Reformed Evangelicals. Greg, it's good to have you. Nice to be here. And thank you so much for stopping by. We were going to talk about uh, today on the episode, the sovereignty of God and his providence, what that means to us, where we find it in the Bible, and all those fun things. But first, just for everyone listening, can you give us a little background on uh, your bio? You know, how, how the Lord saved you, um, maybe some journeys that you've been through, and uh, just a little background on, on the history of you. Sure. Uh, I came to know the Lord in 19, I think, 73. I'm not one of those guys that drove a stake and wrote the date down someplace. Life was overwhelming. I wasn't worried about what month and day it was. Uh, my life, uh, I needed a change. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, I'd been married. I met my wife. In fact, my wife and I are graduates of Bedford High School. Okay. Uh, we met in 1968, and we were 16. Got married when she graduated from high school. We were both 18 years old. So we're celebrating this year 50 years of marriage. Congratulations. Congratulations. In, in yeah. November. And uh, uh, out of high school, got married um, like a lot of young men began to wonder what I had done and where my life was going, made a lot of bad choices. Um, enough bad choices that my wife was, I had one son born. She was just pregnant with the second and she was, uh, my oldest son was two and a half, I think. And, uh, she was already contacting an attorney and, mm. uh, and looking at, uh, getting a divorce to be honest with you. And, uh, I, I'm not, I never go over what kind of life I lived, uh, because to be honest with you, um, you know, if you were to say how bad was your life, well, it was worse than many, and it was a lot better than some as well. Sure. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is we're all saved from all of our sins, and all of our sins, no matter what they are, are grievous to God. They're in rebellion against God, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was saved from from those. Um, one day, um, one of the guys at at work had given me the book uh, "Late Great Planet Earth." I don't even old to that position anymore but okay uh, eschatology pre-trib pre-millennial uh, type of uh, of eschatology i had never heard of anything it had no bible training no bible but wasn't raised at all in scripture okay and uh i trusted him he had uh he was the only one in at where i worked in the two and i trade that i actually trusted and i went home and i was reading that book and all of the uh, eschatological issues that were presented in that book really didn't 
phase me, but the last chapter in the book was a book on on redemption, on salvation. It was on the work of Christ. I was home alone, and uh, and I read that last chapter, and I was acutely aware that I had offended the holy God, and and I became overwhelmed with the depth of my sin. I remember going off into the bedroom. The TV was on. Billy Graham was preaching. And uh, I went into the bedroom, and I began to pray, and, and I began to ask the Lord for forgiveness. And I was, I, was, uh, I was weeping. And right in the midst of it all, I hear Graham in the living room preaching out of 1 Corinthians 6, and he says, uh, he's, he's saying that not the effeminate, the drunkard, he lists all these people that will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he stopped. And I was everything but effeminate, you know. Yeah. And uh, I defended all of those except that. And uh, I I became overwhelmed that I couldn't be saved. And I just remember, like a child, I got crying so loud that suddenly no air came out anymore. Mm. It was just a silent scream. And right in the silence, I heard him finish the next verse, and such were some of you. And I knew I could be saved. I knew I could be forgiven. Forty, wow. Almost 47 years later, the sense of forgiveness mm. was, uh, it still overwhelms me yeah. that, that I could be saved. I, I knew several things, not knowing anything about Scripture. I knew that if my wife divorced me, I deserved it. If I lost my kids, I deserved it. She married another man, and there was another man involved in their life. I deserved it. If he took my life, I deserved it. I knew all those things, and I just threw myself in his mercy and and uh, confessed things to my wife. I, I left nothing on the table uh, right. un, unconfessed, laid everything out to her, and then just waited to see what the Lord would do. And our relationship was damaged, very, very damaged. I mean, on my as well as hers. And I asked the Lord to give me a, a deep love for her. I said, I don't feel that right now. Right. But I, but I want that yeah. I, because I, I knew he wanted me to love her and, uh, <laughs> pardon me here. No, it's okay. But, uh, I, I, I began to have a love for her right? and wait. And, uh, and my wife is, uh, She's nobody's patsy, as they used to say way back in the day. <laughs> um, she's not the kind of woman you want to take advantage of or blindside. She's she's bright and she's very pretty, my perspective perhaps, but <laughs> sure. By George, she's still beautiful. <laughs> and uh, uh, it it took a long time before that happened. We had yeah. a lot of ups and downs. We'd be walking through a, a park, holding hands and laughing, and a song would come on in the background, and and it would remind her of who I was yeah and the hand would drop and I'm thinking three years we we're up and down on this I'm thinking this is never going to change but I knew oh. that's where I had to just stay the line stay in it yeah you know I'm not in this I'm in this for the long haul I'm with her for as long as I've got breath and one one day um something clicked with her and um she she came up to me and she said, uh, I'm, you're no longer my first husband. You're my second husband. Now, when I look at you, I don't remember being that man anymore. I can't see him in you. Wow. And we we started climbing that, that hill again and moving forward. Was again. she saved at that point? Yeah. Uh, I call her CJ. Her name's Carol Jean. Okay. I, CJ was saved when she was very young, when she was about eight years old. But like a lot of people, um, she was... Uh, um, her family didn't go to church. They moved. She, when she was young, she could walk to church. And then they moved out here. 
and there was no place to walk. And so without your family going, you're kind of stuck. I mean, sure. the, the thing that attracted me to her, b- besides she just caught my eye at, in high school, was that when I met her and went out with her, was that how morally different she was from all the other girls I had sure. gone out with. And there was just something very different about her. So there wasn't a need for conversion on her part, but but she was very ignorant of Scripture. Okay. She hadn't been instructed in Scripture, so she was more than happy to, to learn. Uh, she didn't want to learn from me at first. In fact, for a long time, I thought she wasn't reading at all. I was beginning to wonder whether or not she knew the Lord. And then one day she asked me to to, to get her Bible, and I grabbed it, and it fell down, and all of these pages of notes came out. Mm. Sure. Oh. She, she wanted, it had to be hers. It couldn't be mine. Right. You know, it's kind of like your children. You know, the Lord doesn't have grandkids. You know, you, right. can raise, you can raise your kids to know the Lord. You can have them in the church. It doesn't make them. Uh, Corey Tenboom used to say, just because you find a, a mouse in a cookie jar doesn't make it a cookie. Right. Mm. You know, and so having your kids in church all their life, uh, in some ways, is a as a blessing in other ways is a curse. Sure. Right. And so, um, you know, uh, she needed to have her own relationship with the Lord, just like my sons would need to have their own relationships with the Lord. So I started out out here. I was actually working towards the pastoral ministry at the Temperance Free Methodist Church, which is now Cornerstone yep. out here. And, uh, and, and so I was started out as a free Methodist. But uh, became aware uh, as I got closer to, they have several different ordinations in the Free Methodist uh, congregation that I did not believe in two very key doctrinal positions. Okay. And so I couldn't stay. Yeah. And I had been teaching a, a group of about a dozen people out here uh, in a private study, nobody from that church. And um, and, and they they uh, asked me if I would continue teaching them, and that ended up morphing into the Assembly of Christians in 1978. And 1978, I, okay. I, I started here, and then we moved to uh, Toledo for about 27 years, and we moved back out here about 15 years ago. Okay. So uh, so that that's that's where it began. We started out as a Baptist church, just a Baptist church. Um kind of a different, not a fundamentalist Baptist church, not a KJV-only Baptist church. In fact, way before all of the kind of rock and roll stuff that goes on today, we we were, I was in bib overalls, and we had uh, we had a guy named John Vass doing our music. I know John. Yeah, yeah we, you know know John. we know John. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, John used to travel with Bachman Turner yeah. and all these guys. I yeah. mean, John was my music leader. Okay, okay. You know, so we were rocking the house way back oh. uh, in the day, and... Uh, but there's there can be a real false sense of worship that exists from the excitement sure that's generated uh that's not grounded in the reality of the word of god yeah yeah uh we began we, we would have a, a communion for instance and we'd have 140 people at the table and we would we made it a love feast and we had a meal together and and John played, and and we packed the place out. And then uh, one day, uh, I I was very convicted about that, and I said, uh, "We're going to take communion, but we're not going to have a meal. And there's and the music's going to be traditional uh, hymns. We're going to sing hymns on the board." Yeah. And um, uh, we had twenty people show up. Wow. Mm. And and there was this instant realization of how much of what we were doing was being generated by the atmosphere uh, that we were creating, and and not a real commitment to the Word of God. Sure, which is a which is a serious danger. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and, and I think it permeates the Western Church as well. 
I pretty hardcore. I would, I would agree with that. I really would. I would uh, also say that I don't think the Holy Spirit's an emotion. Right. A lot no, of people I, say I feel the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think right. I think you're feeling your emotions. Yeah. We. <laughs> yeah. That's. I. I would agree with that entirely. It's not that emotions are disconnected. Right. But they're. But they're. It's falsely assumed that if there's emotion mm. in a worship service. Uh, uh, I love music. I love to sing. I, I'm I'm not a singer in a band or anything else, but I love to sing. Nothing can bring me to tears faster than a well constructed song, um, uh, lyrically and musically. Right. And yet, uh, you, you know, we have people weeping on Sunday that are out committing adultery on Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, and those same, just because you are, doesn't mean anything for sure. Right. And so, I mean, the spirit is an agent of change, not feeling. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean it's void of emotion. Right. God ministers to all, are the, the, the entire man. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Covenant Real Estate. And why not? It's my podcast and my real estate company. But seriously, I've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy, sell, and invest in real estate over the last 12 years. My brokerage serves clients in Michigan and Ohio, with more states coming soon. When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-G-R-E-G. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate. Confidence from contract to close. And we see those emotions throughout the Bible, the Psalms, right? Yeah, yeah. Ecclesiastes. I, I can hardly talk. Ab- I, I've, I don't think I've ever gotten through a full testimony of my own life without being choked up a little bit because of what God did. Yeah. You know, I, 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 who cares about whether or not you were a former gang member or a drug addict? or that, None of that makes your testimony any greater. God's a much greater savior than you are a sinner no matter how hard you sin yeah and the depth of your sin doesn't make him a greater savior he just is what he is perfectly period yeah Yeah. you know and so uh none of that matters in the in the truest sense we became reformed baptists in 1988 late 1988 early 89 okay uh in fact our church in we we started out as a congregational uh, baptist church a little bit half a bubble off you know what would be considered a Baptist okay. church, and uh, in 1984, I got hooked up with MacArthur. John MacArthur okay. went to a shepherds conference uh, up in uh, upstate New York. Actually, a very small group, 
up there and uh, learned uh, learned about uh, multiple eldership, learned about uh, getting away from a congregational uh, rule in the church, came back, began to teach on those things. In 1984, our church ceased to be in congregational. We actually took a vote because our constitution demanded it. Okay. We took a vote to never vote again. We had a hundred percent vote to never vote again. Uh, found the the men that were best suited at the time to be elders or, or ordained an elders board as equipped as they could be at that time in our in our history and move forward. And in nineteen eighty eight I began to I was given a book called The Holiness of God by R C mm-hmm. Sproul. Yeah. Yeah. And that book totally impressed me. I was blown away by that book. And so then I was handed Chosen by God by R.C. So I <laughs> yeah, just I just read another the whole, great one. Had I started out with Chosen by God, I might not have read it. <laughs> okay. But but yeah. starting out with the holiness of God, I, when people ask me about Reformed theology, I give them Jerry Bridges' book, Trusting God. Okay. Which teaches on his sovereignty. Right. Because if you can satisfy that. I think all the other ones kind of fall in line. It, it has to work. Yeah. If you want to stay true to scripture. Absolutely. And so I started reading Chosen by God through that across my office about three or four times <laughs> uh, because I had been brought up uh, early in the church to be told anything connected to Calvinism was a heresy right. of some kind. Yeah. And and then I, I had to figure out after I, I submitted myself to what I saw in the word of God and wrestled and wrestled with it, how do I tell the church this? Mm. Uh, because I will not split a church, not my own. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in charge of the church. It's the Lord's church, not mine. So I'm not free to go in and do damage to the body in order to save my own position. Mm. And so I had a meeting with our elders board, which was much more mature at that time. Well-studied guys by 88 and um, uh, early 89. And we met, there were five of us we met to, uh, and I, I intended to just start the meeting out and say, I've got something I need to tell you guys. And I was hoping they were going to say, all right, well, let's tell us about it so we could learn together. And instead, two of our guys had just gotten back from a shepherd's conference in California. And one of the, uh, and uh, two of the other guys had been reading a book by Charles Hodge together and discussing what was in there. Both, all, all of those were on reformed soteriology. Yeah. Everybody came to the meeting the same night to tell everybody else <laughs> that they were, they were reformed. Wow. Uh, and instead of having to sit around and explain everything, we ended up rejoicing and then sitting down and saying, how do we bring this to the body? Right. How do we do this? Because you can't get up in six gun from right. the pulpit. Right. Yeah. You can't say, well, this is what it is. I, it, listen, if I, I, I've been, you know, at, even at that time, you know, a decade I'd been pastoring already. If I struggled with it as a man who studies the word of God every day to exposit God's word, how much harder was it going to be for the congregation Yeah, to, to turn twice. that corner? Now we had taught them all along that the word of God was supreme, not our constitution. Everything else can be changed. Sure. The doctrinal statement can be changed. Everything can be changed, but the scriptures cannot. So if we find it here, we have one obligation, submit to it. Yep. And so we decided, we actually did, uh, in essence, what Jerry Bridges does is we started a class that lasted nine months on God's sovereignty. Awesome. And the last section of that was his sovereignty over our salvation. And uh, when we got to that, you'd already uh, fully agreed, because nobody has a problem when you show it, 
He's sovereign over the weather. He's sovereign over the governments. He's, so, you know, all yep. these things. Biblically showing that as yeah. well. Yeah. So now he's sovereign over absolutely everything he set for. He's not sovereign over my choice uh, for, salvation, know, yeah. for salvation here. How does that work? And we, we ended up with about three months of, of answering the standard questions. God's not willing that any should perish type stuff, sure. which is all standard, all the same things I asked myself. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and we eventually adopted the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith and, and officially became a Reformed Baptist Church. In 88? Yeah, well, that would be 89. 89. Yeah, by the time all that transpired, we were into 1989. Were you guys in Toledo at that time or Lambertville? We were in Toledo. And then Lam- when did you come back to uh, Lambertville, we, Michigan? 2004. You said, okay, 2004. So, yeah, those are... The two subjects we're going to be talking about tonight, you just brought them up, both yeah. sovereignty and I would say that meeting was Providence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you had your uh, elders and deacons uh, meeting and everyone kind of came on the same page by the grace of God, yeah. you guys were yeah. all nope. kind of moving in the same direction. Yeah. We stared at each other for 10 minutes, uh, yeah. you know, because <laughs> you're, you're, everybody's going, well, that's why I came tonight. And, you know, if, uh, two of the guys, there was two guys and two guys, they had both been talking together, but not the four of them together so they didn't know and nobody knew where I was coming from yeah you know so and I I thoroughly went to that meeting expecting to come home and tell my wife that uh, you know I'd probably be uh, looking for a job Mm. and and hopefully maybe finding another pastoral position because that's where my my heart's no place else and uh, and, how did the church respond well uh, the church we lost one family uh, and in reality I always say we lost one we lost uh, uh, one woman who took her husband and kids with her. Okay. Um, so she, uh, the, her husband had come to me uh, when, he, when it hit home for him and said, this is the most freeing doctrine I've ever heard in my entire life. And then the next week came to me and said, we're leaving the church. Don't ask me why. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I knew exactly where that was coming from. Okay. Everybody else stayed. Wow. Everybody else stayed, and uh, and and we we were trying to be as patient, kind, understanding. Listen, um, in, in in essence, when you, if you take membership at the assembly, uh, there are twelve points of doctrine you have to agree with. Not a one of those are reformed. They're biblical. It's just the doctrine of salvation, not the mechanics of it. Sure. Okay. So you could be you could be a member of the assembly and not be reformed. Right. Okay. Uh, and we're perfectly good with that. Yeah. But I'm going to preach expositorily what's in the text. Sure. Yeah. And so through that you, systematic Yeah, theology, if you can live yeah. with that and hopefully learn from that, that's a great thing. Yeah. We've had charismatic members. We've had members that came out of, the, or out of uh, um, Presbyterianism. We never made any of them make a change. If you have somebody sign on the dotted line for an entire uh, doctrinal uh, statement, you can only make liars out of them. Right. No, nobody believes everything in a doctrinal statement. Probably not even the pastor that's putting it forth, unless that's everything he believes, right. and he expects everybody else to get on board. Right. He probably hasn't even read it. No, that, I mean, <laughs> I, that's you, you, yeah, that's that's more true than you know. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, you've you guys may have you've heard of the founders movement within mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist Church. Yep. You know, yep. well, the founders movement is really what uh, a move back to the Reformed Baptist roots of the Southern Baptist Church. Sure, and a lot of doctrinal uh, statements within the SBC still have a Reformed flavor to them, but they haven't looked at them in forty-seven years. Right. So they don't know. Yeah. We go we go back over our doctrinal positions and and our structural positions 
uh, uh, positional papers and everything else about every seven years and try to bring everything up. If there's anything we've come to think differently of or anything we think we need to add or clarify more, uh, because otherwise those just become discarded documents you use to get started. And then everybody that comes along just throws whatever little flavor of whatever they want into the sure. pot. Right. Kind of the church culture can then overcome it, the, just a big pot. That, yeah. Everybody throws something into and nobody knows what's in there. Nobody knows how it works. You know, and, and uh, the guy up front's just doing his thing, whatever that might be, and nobody questions that. Or if they do, yeah. you end up with a split or a row of some kind. And, you know, so if you're taking membership in the assembly, I'm going to spend about eight weeks with you, uh, private. We're going to have a class, about an hour and a half, a class, sometimes two hours. I'm going to walk you through all of our documents. What's an elder? What's a deacon? How's the church structure? What do we think about giving? our positional papers, everything you're yeah. going to go through. We have we have a whole book on church restoration, which is uh, an issue on church discipline. Sure. We consider it, calling that church restoration. That's the purpose of it, is to restore a believer uh, back to a right relationship with the Lord. They have to read that. We have to understand what that means, agree with that before you can take membership. So right. you know what you're getting into. So you have a knowledgeable member coming yeah, into the church. Yeah, you're, too. you're yeah. stepping into something. You can't step out of membership at the assembly if you're involved in a sin. You can't commit adultery. And while it's still an unknown, uh, give up your membership and just out of the blue. Uh, we're not going to allow that. And you know that when you take membership. Mm. So it's all on the table. Everything's out. Yeah. Our books are open. You want to come in, look at our books, look at our books. You want to sit in on an elders meeting unless we're doing something that's private. Sure. You know, you're welcome to come in and sit. Everything always has to be on the table out yeah. front where it can be seen. If you're hiding something or you uh, that and I'm not hiding is not the same thing as keeping a confidence. Right. But if you're hiding something, you need to stop whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's biblical. Un yeah. Unfortunately, I think, uh, there's not a whole lot of, and I'm using air quotes, church goers that would put up with it. No, <laughs> no. And I don't, and I'm not trying to sound, you know, mean or condescending to the American church, but uh, in my experience, when I go to other churches, there's not a whole lot of discipleship and accountability and membership yeah. means you meet with the pastor, you have a slice of pizza with him, and uh, he said, you know, you introduce each other and you get a little background and 15 minutes later, you're a member. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm, this episode isn't to, you know, denigrate that process, but I think the biblical process is one that you're speaking of to where there is actual accountability. And then from the very beginning, there's, it sounds like there's discipleship starting right from that first meeting, Yeah. not only doctrinally, but you know, Hey, look at if, if there's sin in your life or something, you need to confess it as the new Testament tells us, what is it, John? Um, and then from there we can move forward with membership, which I think is the yeah. biblical way. Yeah. We, we just had a, a couple that we're looking to take membership that were living in a, a house together. And yeah. I, before we got into it, I said, listen, here's the deal that has to change. You cannot take membership here because we'll start a disciplinary step over the fact that you're living together. We don't accept that here. Right. And you know, so you, you've got a choice you need to separate. We need to talk about walking you through the process of getting married. You can, you, you do that. We can talk about membership and so forth. And they ended up leaving the church. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, what am I going to do? What do I want? Warm bodies in the pews? Right. Right. More, more money in the coffers? 
I mean, for to what end? You know, uh, again, there's there can be much of a facade. Uh, if does it feel better if the church is full? Right. Of course it does. Yeah. No brainer. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's a no brainer. But it but it's a feeling. It's not necessarily the truth. Yeah. I think in reality the church is much smaller than we think it is. I think so too. Uh, a friend of mine years ago, uh, when we used to do Tweedo Reform conferences, uh, Don Kissler was always a part of that. And Don, I was used to be on the board of his ministry. He he had a ministry called Sola Dea Gloria. Okay. That was a, re, a publishing company of of uh, Puritan out of date Puritan yeah. uh, books. Oh, My okay. wife loves Puritan stuff. Oh, I've got a whole bunch of them <laughs> at home. Believe me. And uh, but Don used to go to church, uh, Protestant churches, and do a hand out a test on soteriology on, on the gospel. And eighty percent of the people that took that test were choosing. It was a multiple choice, and they were choosing a Roman Catholic view of salvation mm, wow. rather than a Protestant view in Protestant churches. Yeah, uh, that's sad. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, it's why I'm an expository preacher. I'm in the book of First Thessalonians right now, chapter one, verse one, all the way through. Yeah. You skip nothing. You go bypass nothing. You 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 can't uh, uh, you know just pick and choose each week the things you want to light on that are going to make people happy. It's whatever's in the text. Yep. Nobody can say to me on a given Sunday, yeah, you, you you did that because you're upset with me. You did that because what's going on in the church? Because I am wherever I am. Yeah. If that's that, the case, they're upset with the Bible, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and that's probably not, Thessalonians, that's probably not a four-week uh, sermon series. That you could probably stay in there for a while, huh? I'll probably be, from the beginning to end, probably close to a year. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm in, I just entered into chapter four. Well, I'm halfway through chapter four. I'm just getting into the eschatological portion of the fourth chapter, yeah. which I don't, I don't hold to the pre-tribulational position anymore neither do i think that text does no so, i don't either yeah so it's going to get uh, uh we won't have any issues at the assembly but we live stream so i may get a few emails right yeah. <laughs> well it's so funny we touched on that a few episodes ago just talking about uh post-trib pre-trib yeah. that kind of stuff amillennialism i'm reading a book on that right now and the more you dig into the actual word of god and then even read some of those the forefathers that came before us you just realize the majority of Western Christianity is really based in a culture that's maybe a hundred to 150 years old. It yeah. feels like, yeah. and it's a culture. It's not really yeah. doctrinal. Right. It's, um, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if I can call it church culture, but it's this Christianese culture and you, and you go, what, what's going on? And I was raised in it. I, I'm, a, I'm a little similar to you. I was raised in a, and I'll just touch briefly on it because I've said it before, but um, you know, in a more legalist, it was, it was a spirit believing church, but there was a lot of legalism there. And it was almost, if you look back in the eighties and I was a kid in the eighties, you're a little older than me. So, um, you might remember it differently, but when I look back on it, there was so much moral deism going on in the culture that I think the church pendulum swung real far into like this weird legalistic on, on a lot of churches. I mean, I sat down when I was 13 and said, Hey, you keep playing Keith green on the piano. You're going to hell. Yeah, because that's Christian rock music huh. and we don't, you know, and, I, and I'm just trying to play, you put this love in my heart because I grew up playing piano and I, yeah. I love the groove of it, yeah. you know, uh, that syncopated feel. And, and then, and then went into, um, a, a much more, I don't know what you'd say now, charismatic. And then towards the end, got into that kind of Bethel feel that new apostolic reformation, signs and wonders, Toronto blessing, that all kind that stuff. So I, I ran the gamut 
of it from the time I was seven yeah. to the time I was 16. And then when I was 16, decided I was going to do my own thing, run from the Lord. And I really don't care what he thinks. And he had different plans for me by the grace of God. But, um, you know, I, I look back on that and there was just so many things that either weren't explained or you just did it because it was kind of the culture. And there was really, and, and I was a kid that would ask questions all the time. My youth leaders and my pastors probably went home at night going, what? And I, and I wouldn't even, really get any good explanations and i've said it before and jason's heard me say you tell a curious kid because i said so or because the bible says so that's not a good answer um but it was a blessing because i would i would dig into stuff even as a teenager and those things never left me even when i was running from the lord doing my own thing i'm gonna make my own way um towards the end when i look back on it probably some type of suicidal didn't care if i died or not whatever drug i could get a hold of whatever relationship i mean it was just on a highway to hell so to speak and um and when the and when the lord pulled me out and saved me uh it was really at one of the lowest points in my life and i really started getting into well it was funny i grew up homeschooled and we would study i had to study edwards and his preachings i had to study matthew henry i had to read pilgrim's progress right uh we studied spurgeon i didn't no one told me these guys were reformed or you know had a certain doctrine they were just oh well, these were just you know preachers or fathers in the faith and we'd touch on them and then we'd move on to other things and then when i looked back at it uh i even wrestled from and i've told him from 24 until 31 i didn't even want to say the c word i thought it was heretical right but i kept reading the text and i kept digging into the word and i went but where else this is what the bible says you know uh, and then I came out of the Calvinism closet, probably my early thirties, as I say, mm. you know, kind of ventured out and was, uh, felt, uh, confident to say, yeah, I'm reformed in my thinking. I don't think it's another sect. I think it's what the Bible says. It's a shame that we, that, uh, it gets pigeonholed into Calvinism. Uh, I look at the early church fathers. I look at the Bible. I look right up through the reformation and, uh, I, I, I see that systematic theology is just what the Bible preaches. And like you say, it's funny because when you talk to non-reformed people, they'll go, oh, yeah, God's in control. Right. Okay. Well, he's in control. Like you said, the wind, the earth, time, you know, all these yeah. things. Sick. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. what about my salvation? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and I, I realized that was even that, even that wrestling was a contention with me and the pride in my heart. Well, I want something, I want something to do with it. And the Lord had to keep telling me, oh, you have nothing to do with it. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. There's not one thing that you can do that can please me. Uh, the only, re- the only reason you've been saved is because of the righteousness that's been imputed to you through my son who did a work on the cross. Um, you are the chief of sinners. You know, I read John Newton and amazing grace in his life growing up and just go, I mean, that guy was, you know, beat people at the knees and slave trader and everything else. And the list goes on and on of all the horrible people that the Lord mm-hmm. saved. But it was one of these things to where, um, and I always say, you know, said the sinner's prayer at seven and got saved at 24. But it was one of these things where once my eyes were open to kind of put a, and Jason and I talked about this, a definition on those things that all those things I had been wondering and, and, and saying, well, why do I believe this when the Bible says that? And, and honestly, one of the uh, guys that really brought me through it was R.C. Sproul. I mean, his Ligonier ministry ministered yeah. to me so much. I read a John uh, MacArthur study Bible growing up. No one told me who he was. Oh, he's just a guy that wrote a study Bible. You know, it was very kind of just push yeah. it off to the side, minimize it if it didn't agree with a certain theology that they had. 
And then, oh, but man, when I want to get beat up in the word, I'll just listen to a John MacArthur sermon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and like Spurgeon said, I want to walk away from the sermon with uh, being upset with and my, wounds. And with my spirit much. being wounded. <laughs> if I feel good when I walk away from a sermon, that's yeah. my flesh, man. You know, probably, you know didn't, what, probably didn't do me any good. Something you were just talking about, um, uh, just whenever people talk about the Bible, they're like, I believe in the Bible. And right. it's like, okay, what what does that mean, though? You know, because when a charismatic says it, when a reform guy says it, yeah. it means two totally different things. Usually my Bible. Yeah. My Bible. Right, My version of the Bible. Yeah. Yes. It's like my pillow. Right. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> so, like, about a year and a half ago, I was, you know, really, you know, I was listening to Todd White and some of these guys in the NAR. And, uh, I mean, I, I loved it, you know, at the time. And then all of a sudden, some reform guys started showing up on my YouTube feed. And uh, I realized right when they started talking eschatology that that formed and shaped my theology in a lot of ways. The, the way they were talking about, you know, post-mill, um, you know, and, and it, I don't know, there was, there was a time where I was all about the Left Behind series. You know, Kirk Cameron, man, he was <laughs> right. so good in that movie. No, I always knew it was a terrible movie, but I was, I was always like, oh my gosh, this plot is amazing. <laughs> we're going to escape all of this heartache, you know, all of these, yeah. these terrible yeah. things. And, and it's like, man, you, you look around and, and you're just like, why would God give us all these beautiful things on this earth? You know, I, but yeah, yeah, it was it, at my eschatology, you know, ended up yeah. shaping my theology is all I was trying to say. But, wow. Yeah. I'm but the yeah. exact opposite there. I yeah. always say my end times eschatology is probably my weakest Serious. It needs more study. Well, I almost just throw my hands up and I go, what does it matter? I'm supposed to serve the Lord today right now. Right. You're a pan, men, uh, pan millennialist. Is that what they I call it? It'll pan all pan out in the it'll end. It'll all pan out. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I used to, I tell people, I say, I used to know everything there was to know about eschatology and now I don't know anything. <laughs> right. right. That's right. how I and, feel. Yeah, because right. you, it, was, it was such a tidy package. Yeah. You know, that you walked around with and it, it was so, it, it was so dramatic. Our millennialism's not exciting. No. Yeah. You know, because the most exciting thing in it, geez, we wouldn't we want to be excited about that would be the return of the Lord. Right. You know, and we, yeah. we'd rather be excited about 100-pound hailstones and sure. and the Grand Tribulation and the Beast and the Mark and the whole Very bit. Hollywood. Yeah. Right, very oh, Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, I knew all about that. I knew nothing about this. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, at the assembly, we don't have an official position. You could be amill, you could be post mill, you could be uh, uh, pre pre mill, and still be a member. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm amill partial preterist. I'm, yeah, I don't believe in full preterism. Uh, I, you deny yep. the return of the Lord. You've stepped outside the bounds as right. a heretical Amen. position. Yep. So I mean, even getting into First Thessalonians, I'm going to be having to dig through a little bit of that. Sure. I, I'm I'm not as well studied there as I was in times past because quite frankly every day of my life is is about practical application of the word of god so right. we live and and you live every day with uh, as though the lord was not coming in your generation at all and as though he could come tomorrow yep and, in the twinkling and, of an eye yeah in the twinkling that's what of everyone eye. would say well, in seven in 72 <laughs> the movie that came out in 72 the year before i was saved was uh-huh. a thief in the night oh okay you know yeah with music by randy stonehill oh wow. yeah okay. or not randy stonehill larry norman oh okay i wish we'd all been ready yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and uh and there were two other movies that followed that into 78 and 80 
I mean, we used to have rapture practice, yeah. you know, at <laughs> not at, shaped a generation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, I went so far one time of telling a guy who was in the tool and die trade and the machine next to me all about the rapture and everything was coming. And he walked away and I put my extra work clothes and a pair of boots in a pile by my machine and walked away and watched to see what he would do when he <laughs> oh came back. God. Yeah, I mean, we... we, we That's could, just mean. Yeah, it was, right. it was me. That's a good but, idea. But, I but it oh, was man. fun. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he, he, the look in his face was well worth yeah, yeah. the time and effort. I yeah. wonder I didn't get fired. Uh, but, um, yeah. uh, I, you know, uh, t- to me, it, it, we really need to be concentrating on the life that we live for Christ. Yeah. Right. More than anything yeah. else. Do I want him to return? Yeah, absolutely. I want I him to return. Yeah. If he came right now while we're sitting here, I'd be a happy man. Yeah. But, it, but in the meantime, we're living in a community which we're supposed to have some influence in. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've tried to get to know you uh, since sure. I've been out here, you know, and, and some of the others, Craig and, and so forth. Why? Well, because they're, they're, I want to see what kind of influence is going on in, in this community where I live. Yeah, I go to the same restaurant every morning, or at least I did in, before the bubonic plague hit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and because why? I want to I want to see the same waitresses, the guy that owns uh, the restaurant, uh, those regulars that come in. I have an opportunity uh, getting to know them, to talk to them about the Lord on a regular yeah. basis. And uh, in the past, other places I've done that at, people have ended up at the church, I've done weddings, you know, I've had an opportunity to do that. One man came to know the Lord eight months before he died. And uh, so I, I, I was able to, the uh, Lord used me to lead him to himself. And, and then I did his funeral. Wow. Uh, I mean, you, you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, concentrating, you know, blowing the dust off your Bible because now they're talking about chips and everything else and we're we're back to the flamboyant again. Right. Sure. You know, it shouldn't be any dust on your Bible. It should be worn out. <laughs> right. Yeah. This one isn't. It's brand new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, my one at home is, I can tell you that. But, <laughs> yeah, the call of the gospel, I think, is a, is a lot more work and a lot less glamorous yeah. than uh, the, uh, the modern church, I think, in a lot of these ministries would have you think. It's one of my, uh, kind of my pet peeves, too, is I feel like... Uh, the church is kind of like Oprah with the cars. You get a ministry and you get a ministry and you yeah. get, and, and look at, I'm, I, I always try to preference this. I, I don't want to sit here and sound negative, but at the same time uh, we have to stay true to the word and also have to be able and to be watchful, uh, not only over doctrine and theology, but be watchful over the character of God. And when, uh, you know, when you have some of these uh, young guys and listen, I, I want young people to be involved in, um, all kinds of uh, stuff in the church and in theology and all that. But there's also certain, certain standards. And you mentioned it earlier about, right. you know, that we're able to be deacons and, and elders. And you see some of these younger guys and younger girls and, and uh, kind of starting these ministries and being put in, in positions of authority. I tell you what, I, I tread so lightly. I, I've spoke two times behind a pulpit and both times I didn't even want to do it. Uh, because if you're standing in a pulpit or you're claiming to be any type of leader or shepherd, oh, God help you! Not, yeah, o- yeah. not only does the word speak, v- and and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that because you're you're a pastor sitting here, and God bless you for doing what you do, and and I know that you rightly understand the the word of God and who He is and all His sovereignty, and we'll get into that in a minute. 
but man, you're, you're playing with fire if, you, if you're just trying to make a couple bucks or make a name for yourself out of the Word of God or a ministry. And I'll tell you what, we're all going to be on our faces uh, in front of him one day. And I definitely don't want to be accused of ever misleading or using God's name for my own personal glory. Uh, it, it just, it kind of makes me shudder just thinking about it now. I don't know. I can't imagine how I'm going to feel in the presence of the Lord. Right. There seems you know? to be more entrepreneurial spirits, you know, out <laughs> yeah, here no. that, yeah. that don't know as much about the Bible, you know, um, yeah, right. uh, getting this platform just because some, one of their buddies was like, man, you know, the Bible, why don't you, why don't you just have a good start right. a church? Yeah. Start a church. <laughs> you, know? you like talking like, to people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just reviewed a, a video on a mini episode of uh, Todd Bentley, uh, which I've been posting about him for 12 years now, well before his Lakeland downfall and all that. I don't know if you're familiar with Todd a, Bentley. A little bit, yes. And he, he literally said on his uh, live video that he just posted, you know, my buddy said, well, you, you're an evan- you have an evangelistic spirit. You could sell ice cream to an Eskimo. You should start this business. And I, and I just went, oh, my gosh, that's the attitude we have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of a lot of church lead, not only church leaders, but other churches anointing people, apostolic fathers, and all these things. And you go, to me, it's so clear. And I'm not a smart person, and I'm no more godly than anyone else. And it's just how have how has a whole generation and a, and a whole country, it seems, you know, 89 percent of people say they believe in the Bible, 76 percent of people polled say they believe in abortion. Well, that's an oxymoron. Right. So Absolutely. it goes back to what you said. What is believe in the Bible? Let's right. define our terms, um, which that seems to be a conversation I have more and more before I can even get in a conversation with someone. Right. They say a word. I go, OK, hold on. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by partnership? <laughs> Or, or just in general, what, what, do you, what, what do you mean by Holy Spirit? What do you mean by Trinity? What do you mean, you know, because we've, we've just all these Christianese convoluted, uh, you know, well, taglines out there. I'm telling you, if, if there's a guy who, who, uh, who says that he believes he belongs in the pulpit and yeah. that he thinks people should be listening to him. Yeah. That's the guy I could care less what he <laughs> care less about. Yeah. Right. You know, again, 42 years I've been in the, in the same pulpit. And it scares me every week. Yeah, I'm nervous every week. I spend, I spend the the few minutes I have every single week sitting up front, waiting to go forward, asking the Lord to give me clarity oh, and sure. to and to keep me on focus and to and to help me to honor His Word above all things right. and to be willing that if I if I should preach something that's not true to come back the next week and correct myself, yeah. you know, in front of everybody. Um, because I don't, nobody belongs up there. Right. Right. You know, one of these days, uh, you know, I, I won't be there anymore. Somebody else will be there. That church will be heading in maybe a little different direction here or there, or whatever the case, I'm going to do my best to pass the senior position, the, the primary ex- expositor onto someone I have confidence will stay true to the word, right. but that church doesn't belong to me. I'm not retiring from it. You don't retire from ministry. I mean, maybe as I get older, I'm, I, I eventually do a little less or something, but I don't want to ever retire. Right. I want to be teaching or helping or counseling, but not because I think I, I should be, but because I can't not do it. Right. Because the Lord won't, he gives me no freedom in my soul to not do it. Right. In spite of the fact that I'm afraid every time I open my mouth with his word that I know that because I know I can't get it right. Right. And I don't even know when I am right for sure. I am just trying to stay true to the best of my ability to study his word with what I find in the text. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. So, 
Did you have anything, Jason? It looked like you wanted to say something. No, man, I, I, your whole testimony that that whole first part, I can relate to <laughs> a lot of that, and that's it was just yeah, I, I started tearing up over here for sure. <laughs> I mean, especially I start sweating. You know, man, well, yeah, man, it's uh, your wife. You know that testimony, I can totally, totally relate to in that, and uh, yeah, just thank you so much for your heart and uh, everything that you know, you're sharing with us today for sure. And I do so. love the fact that it wasn't, um, you know, I prayed to my sugar daddy in the sky and then my life was better. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you I'm, went through some real struggle. You said, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. And he said, good, because I own it. And it's not going to be necessarily fun or great or grand. And you're no. not going to get all the desires of your hearts, right. uh, of your heart or, you know, and I, I went through that with my now wife. I mean, we were astra- We dated for eight years, estranged for three, and every night, I mean, the Lord told me she's going to be my wife. And I mean, she would be out doing the things she was doing, running from the Lord. And uh, and it was three years of a period where the Lord just said, no, it's just me and you. Yeah, no, that, uh, because that I'm prepared. Same, that same woman yeah. that took three years to figure out that I was a different man because she's she's not easy. Right. You know, and I'm really glad that's the case. Mm. Yeah. You know, if something happens to me, nobody's going to take advantage of that woman. Right. Plus, yeah. she's a dead eye with a nine mil. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. So if you my break kind in, of lady. If you break into my house, I'm not the one you need. I'm the diversion. You're the diversion? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's the Honey, one you need. Honey, go skit across yeah. the uh, living room now. I got him in my sights. But that same that same woman, and then it became a pastor's wife. Yeah. yeah. So she had to also. Which is one of the hardest roles. She had to right. wait. And she's not traditional. There's nothing traditional about her. She's not. She was the first woman to ever wear pants at the Free Methodist Church. <laughs> and I, you know, I thought the roof was going to cave in or something. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, she's, she's, there's nothing traditional about her. Yeah. And uh, when she's got something, if, if I ask my wife, if, if I, if I don't want to know, I just need to shut my mouth. But if I say, was the message okay this week? She's going to, she might say to me, that wasn't your best. You know right. I mean? Well. She's, she's going to lay it out. Everybody else might lie to me. She's not going to lie to me. Yeah. You know, so she had to learn to be a pastor's wife, which means she had to learn to, to, to live right in the midst of all of the worst that church life has to offer. Sure. Because that's where pastors live. Yeah. We, we get the benefit of the best but we also get the, all of the worst that there is. Yeah. And so did my boys. Yeah. My boys had to, had to grow up right in the midst of all of that. We had to try and find ways of helping them to, without giving them information about things, they'd hear from their friends in, in the church and the youth group and everything else of, of giving them, you know, I spent every Monday night, my entire boy's life uh, out on boys night. Every Monday night was boys night. Yeah. We played basketball. We went to movies. We we visited rest homes. We did, we drove around, bought French fries, and and ate French fries and talked theology. Oh. Uh, I I would we would say I'd say sons, what's what are you being taught in school? What's going on in your life right now? What's happening out there? All the way up into their adult life. Right now, to this day, my youngest son, first thing he does when he's in the room, if I'm there, he migrates to me to talk. Right. You know, we, 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 because they were going to get overwhelmed. Yeah. which PKs do by all of the bad stuff there was. And so you're, you're laboring upstream pastoring yeah. all the time. You know, you're not getting sleep at night. First 22 years I pastored, I, I was bivocational oh. and I worked a full-time job. Uh, I put in about a hundred, 110 hours a week, every week for 22 years. Wow. So if I wanted to spend time with my kids, then I needed to, and my wife, I needed to spend time with the boys until they went to bed, then spend time with my wife till she went to bed, then go into my study at 
11 o'clock or 12, work until two o'clock. So while it was quiet and everybody was gone, get up at five o'clock and go to work. Yeah. And that's what I did for 22 years. Wow. So that's, that's tough on everybody. Yeah. Uh, that's tough on me, tough on her. I mean, this whole thing, if you think you're going to get a seminary degree or Bible college degree and walk in someplace and have a job of getting up and preaching some moral of the story, 20 minute uh, little, you know, something on Sunday and that's your job. Yeah. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. And you do not belong there. Right. And if you uh, are doing you, that, I don't know you're, if you're fulfilling your right. scriptural you, I'll guarantee you as soon as the waves start crashing on the rocks, you're going to be gone. Yeah. Right. You are not going to endure. And uh, endurance is what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. We're not free to bail. Yeah. We're not free to bail out. You know, wow. if you're called by the Lord, you're called by the Lord to go where you're told and do what you're told to do. Amen. Right. You know, do it or don't do it. But that's what that's the calling. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the sovereignty of God, because that interests okay. me a lot when you said, um, even when you said, you know, if you can get over that one hurdle, the sovereignty of God. And I've actually had people refer to me as, oh, well, you, I know you're really big into God's sovereignty, which yeah. was like kind of code for. Yeah. I, I think we heard you reformed or. Yeah. You believe yeah. in the solas mm, or the doctrines of grace. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, and it, when you said that, it just clicked on me. Two or three people have said that, and it's went, oh, that's the first thing that they focus on, even when they say that to me, is God's sovereignty. Uh, talk a little bit about that, maybe. What does that, what does that mean to you, or what does it say in the Bible about God's sovereignty, or, or how, how, do you, how would you put that into words? Well, first let me say this. If, if you were to talk to Christians who became Christians in, in communist bloc nations back when the Communist Party was at its peak, um, they automatically believed in sovereignty. They, okay. they understood entirely what it was like to be under the absolute rule and authority of, of someone. Okay. Americans don't get that. Ah. Uh-huh. This is, the problem with sovereignty is particularly more of a problem in a democratic uh, country, and especially one that has the, the, the plethora of rights Sure. that we're used to, and we don't want anybody telling us what we're going to do. Well, that would include God. Yeah. Sovereignty, in essence, is, is talking about God's absolute and total rule over all of his creation. Providence is, is the governing um, mechanics of how he does that, okay. how that plays out. That's his providence. Sovereignty is about his absolute rule. That's okay. not a rule that's happening on the go or on the fly. His, his decrees are settled and have been settled before the earth was, right? before time began. Again, the Lord's not, if you, I always say to somebody, do you believe that God is, is uh, uh, omniscient? Well, yeah, I believe he's, on, he's all-knowing, right? Yeah, he's all-knowing. Then how is, is he, how is he making a decision? If he, is he waiting to see what you do? Right. Before he makes his decision, because if there's anything he doesn't already know, then he's not omniscient. Where does that omniscience go back to? Well, it goes back to Ephesians 1, 4, before the creation, before time was, before the earth was formed. Sure. You know, we were, we were already called by him, named right. by him before the earth existed. So yeah. sovereignty speaks of his absolute control over everything that belongs to him, which is everything. Yeah. I would also note there too, that people, we, you know, we really try to frame God inside of our feeble mind or inside of this reality. When we say no, we're thinking of a timeline. Well, I knew that then, and I might know this later when God sits outside of time to know is just to know. 
It's instantaneous. There is no time. He knows the past, the present, the future. In fact, there is no past or present or future in God because he's outside of that out of the, outside of that time that he created. So I, I try to think that way too when we talk about you know sovereign rule or, or foreknowledge or to know. We only really relate it to uh, the experiences we have in this reality as as humans. Uh, when in, when in fact um, God created time, He created space, He created yeah. matter and all those things that go with it. So when we talk about sovereignty, then we're talking about his sovereign supreme rule over all of his creation. Yes. And that, that was really one of the, and, and, and when we talk about that, we're also saying, um, as, as we believe, not only over his creation, but even in the act of salvation as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I sometimes, and you mentioned this, you kind of alluded to it, that that's the one that gives people the most sticking yeah. points. Um, I always say, you know, boy, I find so many of my non-reformed friends become reformed as soon as there's a as soon as there's a trial or tribulation. God, you're in control. God, you can change us. God, step in. And I, once again, not trying to belittle, but it's it's funny how fast we can switch gears on what we think God's in control of it of if it benefits us. And like, like I said, and it was my own personal struggle. The very last step was of salvation because for me, I realized it was just pride. I wanted something to do with it. Well, I want to be the one that says yes, whether I was saying that out loud or not, it really came down to, well, I want to have, whether it be 50, 50 or 99%, 1%, I didn't want there to, you know, I didn't want monergism. I, I didn't, I wanted me to have some say in it. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is sponsored by Greg Moore at Informed Solutions Realty. With over 50,000 residential, commercial, and property valuation transactions completed, Informed Solutions Realty is your premier real estate brokerage in Michigan. Whether you're buying or selling a home or business, Greg Moore at Informed Solutions Realty can help you. And right now, all Dead Men Walking listeners will receive a complimentary property valuation report, which is a $100 value. Visit www.gregmore.realtor or call 734-731-GREG for more information on how much your property is worth and how you can get it sold fast. That's www.gregmore.realtor or call 734-731-GREG. Dead Men Walking is also sponsored by Meriwether Farm. As followers of Christ, we are called to feed the poor, show compassion and mercy, and make disciples of Him. And that's exactly what Meriwether Farm does. Through farm and food ministries, Meriwether Farm is dedicated to serving the underprivileged and those in need in their community, showing the love of Christ and making Christ known. Meriwether Farm is a nonprofit charity that fulfills its kingdom mission by partnering with listeners like you. For more information on how you can get involved or donate, visit www.mwfarmministries.org. That's www.mwfarmministries.org. We are also brought to you by Threads Baby Boutique. Hand-sewn and made right here in the USA, Threads Baby Boutique Etsy shop is a must-visit. With unique clothes and accessories for infants, toddlers, and young children, you're sure to find the perfect ensemble at the Threads Baby Boutique. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Why not bless them with this perfect gift and see what thousands of satisfied customers are talking about? Visit www.etsy.com and search Threads Baby Boutique or connect with them on Facebook at Threads Baby Boutique. And now, back to Dead Men Walking. Let's move on to that a little bit and just talk about uh, sovereignty over salvation as well because I think this is one of the biggest contentions that I come up against when I either 
try to explain it or try to wrap someone's head around it. Heck, it took me a while to wrap my head around it as well, too. But what does that mean to you when when I say to you, God has sovereignty over our salvation? Uh, That means that God is the only one that controls the act of regeneration, of of regenerating a, a, a dead spirit in man. Sure. That, that's what died in the garden, isn't it? I mean, when the Lord said you eat of the fruit of the tree and you die, um, that, that death was, was uh, certainly physical over time. Death began its decline upon man, but what died instantaneously was their spiritual relationship with the Lord. We're not born. And when people say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, and I say, no, you're not. You're spiritually dead. Right. Uh, you know, uh, you may be in in contact with spirits, but you're not spiritual. Yeah. And uh, God is the only one that can regenerate a dead right. spirit. They can give us spiritual life. It's John, it's John three, you know, it's the new birth, sure. uh, you know, that, that we experience. And uh, when that happens, that's when we are given eyes to see and we're given ears to hear the very thing that the Lord condemned uh, Israel for. You have no eyes to see your ears uh, to hear my word as I speak it. If you if you knew my father, you'd know me. You know, you'd hear my voice and you know right. my, my sheep, John 10. I, you know, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Right. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a sheepfold, sure. uh, a film of a sheepfold where all the sheep are mixed in together and, and like a, a, a town, an outside of a town, all the shepherds come in, drop their sheep off and there'd be one keeper of the gate. And the, when a shepherd comes up, he has his own, he has his own call. And when he makes that call, all the sheep start separating that belong to him from the other sheep and follow him out the door. None of the other sheep go. That's not their shepherd. Right. But that one is. We hear his voice. We follow him. Right. I mean, I knew that without knowing that on that day in the bedroom when I came to know the Lord. Because I knew there was I knew there was nothing about me that should have should have come to that point on that day. I the, the very morning I was saved, I had threatened two guys who were trying to preach the gospel to me that I was going to whoop on them if they didn't back off. That evening, I was one of them. You know, what changed? I'm not smarter than the average guy. I'm not more spiritual than the average guy. I'm not better, I'm not better looking than anybody, you know, <laughs> on the planet. What, what was different? Well, I didn't understand what that was. Right. But when I came to understand soteriology, I understood God did a work in me. He made me alive. And suddenly right. I understood his word. I heard it. Yeah. And I knew who I was and I knew who he was. And there was no question about that. Even before I had knowledge and years of study and everything else, I, I knew, you know, uh, that's his sovereignty and salvation. I say, uh, we're, we're not, we're not sick in our sins. We're dead. Right. And our sins and trespasses. You know, you, I tell people you, you're, you're in a boat, you find a body floating in the ocean. You can yell at them, scream at them, throw a life preserver to them, and they're not going to respond. Right. But if they suddenly burst into life, you think when you throw the life preserver down, they're going to say, no, I'm good. Right. Yeah, yeah, have a good day. Go on. Well, we, we, opening the eyes helps us to see the, the reality of our predicament before him. Right. He's not making us choose him. There's no force involved, right? Nothing involved in that way. He just allows us to see the truth. They yeah. have eyes to see and ears to hear. And then we, when we see that, we go, "Yes, that's what I want." Right. It's it's totally voluntary from that perspective. But the initiation is from God. But He has to initiate. He has to. He has to give us the life. He has to show us His Word. Right. You know. But 
the 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 desire then is in is in our heart from that already. We we see that we want that. Yeah. I I had to have that. Yeah. There was no hope for me without that. I knew that. Yeah. yeah. And then, so there's a there's that there's that distinction. And people that don't have that are making. I mean, that's the problem with with uh, with altars and calling people forward and re- reciting verses. Uh, you know. Uh, I pray this after me sort of stuff there's there's is god working in that certainly at times but how many people do you think uh, go forward at altars that are never converted they're never changed or never turned yeah. what motives drive them i don't want to lead anybody i don't want to say pray after me for anything right let me tell you what you you don't have to have me tell you what to pray if God's broken your heart and made you aware of your sin, you're yeah. going to you, cry out to you him. Know, you know exactly for what forgiveness. To Nobody needs to tell you how to do that. Yeah. And if you're around somebody in which that happens, you'll know the difference from the time you look them in the eye and hear their voice that God has a hold of their heart. Yeah. They're not reciting some prayer after somebody else for numbers that go into a book someplace. Yeah. I feel like the sinner's prayer is sent a lot is going to send a lot of people to hell. I do too. <laughs> Unfortunately. We, we can't stop somebody from being uh, saved. There's no question about that, no matter what methodology we use. Yeah. But we can, we can cause a lot of people to believe they're saved that are not. Right. Yeah. 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 I actually was sitting in a church service once, and I heard a pastor give the altar call, everyone's heads down. That was another thing when I was in youth group. Eyes closed, don't yeah. look around. Yeah, and I'm going, yeah. if this is such a glorious event, why are yeah, we all got yeah. our eyes closed yeah, right, and we can't right. see you know? And we he can't said see who raised and, his hand. and he said, you know, slip up your hand, but even if you don't, God knows <laughs> you don't have to and I and this was five years ago. And I I just went, if you don't even have enough yeah. I don't want to say guts. If yeah. you don't have a you know, enough of an umption to even raise your hand while everyone's eyes are closed for Christ, how long are you gonna last in the world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna be persecuted and spit on and you know, all these things. Uh, you know, God does not promise you a, a life of health and wealth and happiness. In fact, probably the exact opposite if you if you truly are regenerated and believe in him. I mean, yeah. if if our church fathers and our disciples and pretty much most of history uh, is concerned. It's going to be exactly like that. I think what you said is exactly right. In these last few hundred years in this country, we've become very, very accustomed to freedoms and liberties and rights and comfort. Yeah. And unfortunately, I feel as a country, we've kind of become David counting our men. Yeah. Um, well, let's see what we've done. This church, look, let's well, see what the church has done. Yeah. And it's, well, you know, you haven't done anything. It's what, that's what the Lord has done. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, my prayer has been in my life is Lord, and we're getting a little off subject here, but we'll get back to it. Um, you know, give give me give me just enough to where me and my family are provided for. Don't give me too much. Yeah. If, to where it's I'm very easily swayed to take my eyes off you. Ooh, look what I've done. Look at this little kingdom I've built. Look at these fun goodies that I have. You know, and don't give me too too not too much to where you know too least to where then it's a struggle. I just I want to I want manna. Just daily want you to provide for me. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying don't invest, don't, you know, plan for the yeah, future, don't be financially I'm sound. <laughs> you know, there's wisdom in that. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. I look at Ecclesiastes and it just says tomorrow's not guaranteed to anyone. Don't go yeah. off and say, "Oh, I'm going to do this and do that and I have these big plans." And I think it was very, you know, that verse is, is can almost be salvific too in in saying, you know, Proverbs, the Lord you know, you order your step and the Lord orders your path. Uh, or maybe I said that backwards. Is it the Lord? Yeah, you, we plan our steps. Steps that he the, directs. Our he path. directs our right. path, you know. So 
for me, uh, I don't know. I, I just look and I say, you know, going back to the sinner's prayer, I don't know if that's going to be part of the great falling away. I don't know if, uh, you know, like I said, you have 89% of people saying they are air quotes Christians and Bible believing. I just think we have a lot of people around the world <laughs> and especially in this country that profess something with their mouth with either a not understanding it or truly not being converted. Right. Which I sit, is, which I is sit scary. down with people all the time that are attending churches, um, and uh, they they go they go every week. Their kids are involved in yeah. youth group. I sit down and talk. I'm not I'm not talking talking reform soteriology or eschatology or any nothing. You know, we're not talking infralapsarianism or superlapsarian. Nothing massively. I'm getting difficult. all excited over here. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're not doing any of that. And and they Just look like, at talk about it. Yeah, they look at me, they look at me like a deer in the headlights. Yeah, they are they are woefully untaught. And how do you I, I, listen? Uh, even if your pastor is not feeding you sufficiently from the pulpit, if you know the Lord, yeah. how do you not? want to know his word right how are, is that his job no right. to teach you every week is that his job to make sure you know everything there <laughs> I is said to it just know? a few weeks ago i mean that's oh. ridiculous it's yeah. your job to go home right. and your job to learn how to study your job to do that if i'm discipling a young man i'm teaching him how to study the word of god so he can do that not depend upon me to do that for him right yeah my my uh oldest son uh was writing 93 page books on the gifts of the holy spirit with hebrew and greek annotations when he was 11 wow you know because that's where his that's where his head was that's where his heart was that's what he wanted and it but i spent the time with him to help him learn how to do that right you know if, if your members if if they don't even bring bibles yeah. you expect them to do i have a problem with scriptures being up on the screen absolutely not we do our 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 readings and we put it up on the screen but you better walk in the door of the bible in your hands we have bibles in our pews you should own a bible you should know how to use it that's your that's right. your daily food that's right. your living right there you yep. know and and yet how do all of our members come become so woefully ignorant of the right. word of god so how many of them actually know the lord how can you go week after week never touch yeah your bible never bring it to church never open it up through the week never you're never wondering yeah. about the things of god right. nothing ever crosses you i came to know the lord knowing nothing and and everything i thought i knew i learned from watching television i learned from watching the 10 commandments and you right. know i thought moses was charlton heston you know <laughs> right that's the way it was everything i knew was wrong yeah right. i i didn't have any right information i had to start over so every time I turned around, and I turned around a lot, there was a new question in my head. Right. And that I would immediately say, I got to go find that out. I got to right. go find that out. I got to go dig in. I got to go find out what that means. Yeah. And if I couldn't figure it out, I had friends that had been around for a long time that I could go to and say, I need some help figuring this out. Show me how to do this. That would take me under wing and disciple me and help me right. learn yeah. how to do that. You know? yeah. So we, we've just got to, we've got to, like I said, I think the church is a lot in essence in reality a lot smaller yeah than it r really appears to be right and uh and i don't think we're probably all that far away in this country from from having those numbers uh, become more apparent yeah so. i think as uh freedoms contract liberties contract maybe rights contract persecution uh on whatever level it's funny when i hear uh you know pa other pastors and 
and uh, leaders in the church that were being persecuted, religious freedom. And I go, geez, you don't even know what's going on in other parts of the world. I mean, we still have it so good. And I think, you know, we're in a fallen world and men have agendas and men want power and are greedy. And that's been around forever. I don't care if it's Rome or, uh, you know, the uh, United Nations, Uh, you know, a fallen man wants power and uh, over other people. But I think uh, it's, it's just tough because, if you have a shallow view or an immature view of who God is, I feel so I feel so sorry for those people when these these trials and tribulations hit. Um, I've said it many times. I mean, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, just because they say our God can save us, He will save us, but even if He doesn't, and I'm just always so moved by the but even if He doesn't, they're like so confident that He would save them, He can save us. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, it's it's ne- I, Nehemiah, Sambalat, yeah. uh, Geshem, and to buy, and uh, um, I forgot the other guy's name. Um, anyway, they're they're threatening. They're starting to build the wall. Uh, the wall's starting to go up, and they're being threatened. Yeah. We're going to come in. That wall's nothing. It can't hold our armies back. We'll come in, smash it all down. We'll kill all of you. All these threats going on. Armies outside the city wall. All the people inside, they're they're not soldiers. Yeah. They're they're just everyday people. That uh, you know, while the ones are working, one of them's got a sword and a shield in case there's an attack. But Nehemiah says, "So we prayed to our God and built the wall. Yep, we continued on doing what we're doing. You know, right right now. Listen, uh, I, I'm a I, I voted for President Trump. I'm going to vote for him again in 2020. Mm. Yeah, all right." Uh, I like I like what he does. Do I like the fact that he's arrogant? No, I don't. Right. Do it, there are things about him I don't like, absolutely. But there's a lot of things that I do. But he's he's not in charge of this country. God is. Right. right. It, my local, you know, uh, uh, Whitmer is not in charge of the state of Michigan. God sits on His throne. Right. Yep. Uh, we have no one to fear because the Lord. He says, "Don't fear them. Fear me." Right. Right. You know, fear me. Don't don't look over there at them. Fear me. I'm the one you need to be afraid of. Right. You know, and in a right way, in a rever- reverential right sure. way. But that, is, it's it's like from uh, from uh, uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. Yeah. Where the little girl says, you know, is he safe? And he says, oh, no, he's not safe at all. But, right. he's, but he's good. But he's good, right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that line always kills me. No, he's not safe, but yeah. he's good. Talking you know? about Aslan, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's the Lord. Yeah. He's the king, right. you know. Does uh does theodicy go in this? I mean, the holiness and the justice of Christ, you know, um, with sovereignty and providence, does that ring any any bell? The the word theodicy. I just learned this word theodicy a couple weeks ago. I was like, <laughs> I think this is a part of it when we were when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today, but uh, just the um, uh, attributes of Christ, you know, the holiness and the justice. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not totally sure how you're defining what that is at this point yeah I, I think i was just thinking along the lines of uh just his sovereignty and just what that what that means as a whole you know from evil to you know his yeah. goodness to you know his grace just all of it how he yeah. you know gives um, it all to the world you know even through coronavirus <laughs> yeah uh, I, ecclesiastes uh seven um verses 13 and 14 I believe. Yeah, while you're turning there, I'll just say this. I, I know I told this to you before, but I, I watched a uh, two-hour uh, answer to a question that R.C. Sproul got about uh, evil. Evil. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It's a good one. And it was, uh, it, it was majestic and beautiful and biblical. And 
I, at the end of it, I went, I have no idea what he just said. <laughs> I'm still confused, but he did it so well. And I just went, yeah. it just, you know, it's, it's a mind, yeah. mind twist when you start talking about evil, good, God, sovereign, yeah. uh, which are things I, I love to talk about. I'm never truly going to understand them. I think part of that is the mystery of God, but um, go ahead. What were you going to read there? Well, uh, 13 and 14, chapter seven, it says, uh, consider the work of God for who can make that straight, which he has made crooked in the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God has also set the one against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Mm. They're both his. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, you uh, uh, tell people you, you pull up to, um, you, you're sitting at a red light, light turns green, you take off. And right when you start to take off something or you get an inkling, you hit your brakes and a car runs through mm. the red light and you go, wow, thank you, Lord, for that. But if you didn't hesitate and you drove through the light and the car hit you, that's the same God, right? Nothing, yeah. nothing changes. Yeah. He's not God because he did what you thought he should do. He's God because he does what's always what's right to do. Right. Regardless of what that is and yeah. regardless of how that plays out. Ecclesiastes three, there's a time to live and a time to die. You don't come into this world a second before God is ordained. You don't leave a second before. There's no sure. such thing as an early death in the, in the sense of, of leaving before your time. Yeah, because when you do leave, that is your time. Yep, you know that's the way it works. So God's in God's in charge of both all everything that happens in this world for a purpose that that's beyond anything that we could figure out ourselves. If we could understand why God does what He does, then He wouldn't be God. He would just be a man, just right. like we are. Right? Yeah. You know, it's it's Joseph, his brothers throwing down a well to kill him, yeah. uh, get worried about it, drag him out, sell him to traitors really good brothers you know he ends up in potiphar's house good job but he ends up being accused of rape you know uh, falsely thrown in prison right. yeah. all these things going on takes all the way genesis 50 yeah and and the J jacob dies the boys come expecting their brother now knowing everything is going to probably throw him in prison and he says i don't stand in the place of god to make that decision but here's what i know you meant it for evil. God intended it for good. Yeah. So unless I understand and know or, or could possibly know what the intentions of God are and what he does. In every situation. In every too. situation yeah. and how that plays out in every, in every way. You know, what, why is it one of my pet peeves? We won't probably have time to talk about it a lot. Yeah, here. we do. Let's do this. But, <laughs> but I love it. Listen, when I go to prayer, the purpose of me going to prayer First of all, I, I acknowledge and adore God in prayer. Yeah. But I bring my, when I bring my supplications before God, uh, I, the, the purpose of that is to lay everything at his feet to receive and accept whatever answer he gives me on those. It isn't to dictate to him what I think he should do. Right. Who in the world thinks they know what should be done? Yeah. God is all wise, all knowing, all powerful. And we're going to tell him in prayer what we think needs to be done in our situation. Right. Who needs to live? Who needs to die? What job we need? Where we need to go? Sure. We're going to dictate to him somehow. Right. Uh, when he knows all of that, listen, I want to take it to the one who absolutely does know. The imprecatory Psalms. You know, and you know what an imprecatory psalm is? Oh. Precatory psalms are psalms where David or the psalmist is crying out the Lord to destroy their enemies. Okay. Destroy my enemies, right? Yeah. And we say, wow, how harsh is that? Destroy my enemies. But you know what the psalmist wasn't doing? Destroying his enemies. Huh. 
Right. What was he doing? He was taking all of these frustrations and everything else he was dealing with, with people that were wanting to kill him. And instead of just acting on it, getting an army together and going out and trying to kill them all, which he could have, which yeah. he could have done. He took it to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, you do, yeah. you know, here's what I see. Here's what I'm thinking. Right. The Lord loved the honesty of the heart of David who prayed those prayers. Cause he didn't go to him saying, Lord, listen, I'm, I'm loving my enemy, but you know, he's not treating me very well. <laughs> Instead he goes there and he tells him how he's really thinking. Yeah. I always thought yeah. David was the first bluesman. You know, that's like a, like a 17 yeah. volume album of blues right there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's a great point because probably the few times where David was really called out was when he did take it into his own hands. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. whether it, like I said, counting his men or Bathsheba or, or a few other places when in fact in the Psalms, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's taking those things, you know, probably very real emotions, very real thoughts, yeah, right. but laying it on the altar in prayer and the, yeah. and the, and the Lord, uh, you know, giving back his decision. Do you think right. you can say, you think you can form beautiful, kind, flowing words and god doesn't know what's coming out of your heart right 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 yeah i mean you're, you're you're standing in front of him and lying to his face my my one son he couldn't lie to me for nothing because his eyes were dart from side i knew every tell he ever had <laughs> right. you know now i could tell by the way he acted but listen what if they stood before me and i could actually see everything that was in their heart already Right. right. That's first of all, I don't want to know what's in there. Right. That would scare uh, yeah. me to death. But God knows. He, Psalm 139, you, you know my thoughts before I think them. Right. You know, there's no place I can go to be away from you. Hell isn't the absence of God. There's no place God isn't. Yeah. You know, hell is more hell because God's presence is still there. Yeah. The yeah. wrath you know? of God. Yeah. On, by his wrath. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and that aspect of his attributes and his character, yeah. uh, you know, so you, you go to prayer, be honest with the Lord about how you feel about things, yeah. but don't expect to dictate to him. Take your, right. take your, whatever it is you're in need of, whatever it is you're afraid of, whatever it is that's going on, you take that to the cross. So you have a place to leave that and trust that the one who picks that up knows what to do with it. Right. And has already decided and ordained how to deal with that. And is well aware of everything and things you couldn't possibly know yeah. in a, in a thousand lifetimes you couldn't know, you know, uh, it, people said, wouldn't you like to do your life over again and you could get it right. And I say, no, cause life is really more like groundhog's day with Bill Murray. Right. You know, yeah. if you had a chance to do it over again, you'd just make different mistakes. Right. <laughs> you can't get it right. right. Yeah. You know, there's no such thing as you, you'd get this right and that wrong instead. Yeah. You know, I, there's no such thing. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, the only one who gets it all right is the Lord. Absolutely. The only Amen. one, the only one we can trust period. Yeah. And I think that's reflected, uh, even in the Lord's prayer. I mean, look at yeah. the very first few lines yeah. of adoration, rightly right. saying yeah, who he right. is. And then the very next line is thy will be done. Thy will. He wasn't asking, you know, the very first thing he gets out of the way there is your will is going to be done yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, that's, that's James. You know, yeah. we, we, it's okay for us to say, oh, this next year we're going to go to this city or that city and do this business or that business, Lord willing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lord we, willing. We, we can plan. Right. My wife and I were going to Europe this year in September for our 50th wedding anniversary. Not happening now. Yeah. yeah. We, we planned. We've been totally uh, geeked out over the whole thing, excited, waiting to go. Not going to happen now. I have no control over that. Right. right. I can't do anything about what's going on in this world right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. Even I, if there were a thousand conspiracies going on right now, 
and and I could prove every one of them was it was a, what what could I fix? Right. What what would I change? Because that I like Kuiper's idea of operating, working within your sphere of influence and authority yep. that God sets you in. Yeah. And you don't have any authority past that. I can't go down to the neighbor church and say, well, I'm a pastor. You have to listen to me. I have authority within the assembly. Right. Yeah. I don't have authority anyplace else unless I'm invited. Right. And it's, and it's given to me in some way. I had a uh, uncle tell me once, uh, this was the uncle I grew up with that was uh, uh, engineer, Darwinist, evolution, science. I mean, the guy was just uh, one of the smartest people I know. He's still an engineer, a senior engineer at Ford. Lord saved him. And uh, about two years after Lord saved him, he said something to me in my early 20s. And he said, uh, you know, the Lord just wants us to take care of our little part of the kingdom. That's how we affect change for the kingdom. My neighbor, my coworker, you know, people in my church, because I'm not supposed to, you know, that's my sphere of influence. Yeah. And, and everyone's, and it just kind of stuck with me. It was kind of a very, uh, I don't know, uh, micro approach when in fact I'd grown up in, you know, hundred thousand people at an evangelistic, uh, you know, Billy Grant. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, I thought my approach was a bunch of people in, in, in a tent or in pews in church. And he said, no, it just, you, you, you daily live out, you know, the gospel in your little part of the kingdom in effect. Yeah change with those people and and i and i was convicted because i went i i don't even do that yeah you know i i don't even do that yeah the right. puritans used to refer to the family as this as the littlest church oh wow yeah i like you, that you know because within that within that realm you know there was the the father uh held that position of spiritually leading the family yeah you know uh, uh, along with his wife they trained the children. That was their congregation, you know, that they were responsible for. If I yeah. can't take care of my two sons. I, I can't guarantee how they're going to grow up and what kind of people they're going to be. Both of my sons are, are married men and they're very good husbands. Yeah. You know, I attribute as much of that to my wife for not, sure. for, you know, my wife's mantra with the kids growing up is I'm not your maid. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't <laughs> want the boys growing up marrying somebody who was going to take care of every little thing for them. Right. You know, so she made him learn how to sew and cook and do laundry and everything else, you know, so she, yeah. they could be a help in a home, not a hindrance or I don't have a shirt ironed. What do I do now? Right. right. You know? And so I, I, I attribute that to her, but I don't have any control over how my boys turn out, but I have a responsibility to do everything within my power to raise men, right. To raise them to be men, good men that can stand on their own, love uh, those that are around them love their wives, love their children if they have children, and so forth. That's my role to to do my best to help them do that, not to make sure they do that. Yeah. So let me ask you this: uh, We'll finish up on sovereignty here, and then move over to providence for the last part of the uh, podcast. But what what are some of the you know if you get some of these objections, like well, if God's sovereign over salvation then he's just picking who he wants to save or that, because I hear these, you know, if, if he's sovereign over salvation, then we're all just robots. Um, why do or, we need to evangelize? Why, why do we need to you evangelize know. or, you know, uh, you know, I don't, well, those are three good ones. Let's start with those. So if you get an objection like that as a pastor, well, if he's sovereign over salvation, well, then it just seems like to me, God just picked out who he wanted to save all along. And there's really no point to it. What would you say to someone who might, if, if you're talking to them about that, now that's not a thirty-second answer. No, it's I'm, not. I'm giving you a. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving right. you a whatever right. answer. Real I, big. Yeah, yeah. Whatever answer I give you right now will be insufficient. 
Right. So let me let me make that disclaimer but as we I, start out here. But, but you've heard things like that, I would sure. suspect, yeah, over your years. The same people making that same statement, they they want they want to have all of their own choices about life. Right. They they don't want to go someplace and have somebody hand them clothes and say, "Where are these?" Yeah. They want to make sure, they want to pick out what they want to wear, how they want to wear. They want to make their own choice, especially Americans we get this from more than anybody else. We make all of our own choices about everything, right? That's yeah. the way it is. But we don't want to give God that opportunity. We we don't, we buy things and then we decide if we're, if we're going to keep them. I used to I used to make model cars. One day I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore, so I put firecrackers in all of them and drove them into each other and watched them explode. <laughs> yeah. You know, they belong to me. I could do what I want with it. Yeah, right. Romans nine. Yeah, the, the potter has the power over the clay to do with it what he wants to. Mm-hmm. He, he owns what he's made; belongs yeah. to him. And I think Paul answered that objection right there when yeah. he said, "Can the clay look up at the potter and say, yeah, 'Why have you made? Why, yeah, why'd you make me this? <laughs> why'd way? you make me that yeah, way?'" That's exactly. That's correct. That's where I would go. I mean, the problem with some of those objections is that in order for you to to give an answer that's sufficient to the question, that they would walk away and say, "Oh, okay," they actually have to believe this. Right. word i have to i can take them to romans and i can walk them through that chapter uh, chapter nine and and walk them through those verses about you know listen it says he made the choice between uh isaac and um uh or not isaac but uh, jacob and esau, esau yep. before they were born before they did a good or evil yeah it wasn't because you know uh, uh esau ate the red pottage and the Lord looked down through the t- corridors of time and, and then said, yeah. oh, he's going to eat the pottage. I'm not choosing him. So he said, before they were born, before they did good or evil, God chose the one and rejected the other. Sure. The one who makes us has the right to do with the clay as he pleases to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor. One hmm. to be, to hold water, one to sit on a sure. pedestal and be beautiful. It's up to him. That answer is not satisfactory. Right. to people who aren't unwilling to accept the authority of the word of God. It never will be satisfactory. Yeah. Now, if I take somebody there that says they believe in the Lord and they look, and I've had people do this to me, I see that. I understand what you're saying, but I don't accept that. Right. There's a difference between being ignorant uh, about the truth of it and, sure. and rejecting the truth when you see it. Right. And so now am I actually talking to a believer? Now, there's a distinction I would make between somebody who hears that says, I see what you're saying, but I'm not sure what to do with that yet. Somebody wrestling with that. Right. I've been there too. Right? But all I can do is give them the answer. I can't make them believe the right, answer right. to that. Uh, so the same with we're robots. Sure. You know, and... and, and I uh, feel sometimes people are looking for an intellectual answer to a spiritual... That's... To a spiritual problem. Yeah, yeah it's very and, true. and I think that's kind of... Sounds like that's what you're saying is if, if you if you can't because once again, it was a for me, it was just taking that pride to absolute zero. I mean, Paul says you don't get to look at God and ask him why, because God said so. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, the, the truth and, of the matter is God. We can say, why did God choose some and not the others? And the truth is, why did he choose anybody? Right. Yeah. He was, Complete justice would he, be to he, send us he, all abs- to hell. Absolutely. <laughs> we could have all been naked in the same line together. Every last one of us at the white throne judgment. Yeah. And, and and he would have been utterly just to choose nobody. That he saves some yeah. is a mercy. Do we understand why? No. Why did he choose me? No idea. Here's what I know. It had nothing to do with me. Right. It had everything to do with his decision. It's his choice. 
I had yeah. no, I had nothing to do with that whatsoever. So how would you relate that to evangelism? For instance, um, well, do you still feel we're called to evangelize yeah, and preach because, the good news and yeah. all those things? Yeah, because an axe doesn't cut a tree down by itself. We're right. instruments. The right. the we when we go to this again, the the text gives us the answer. Will you accept the answer? Right. And 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 then the answer to that is first of all, God commanded us to evangelize. Yep. This is He's going to do something. He says, "Let there be light," and there's light. Right. It becomes the sun by day, the moon by night, but there's light. Here's the sun. Now we understand a great deal about all these explosions taking place on the sun and how the, all that light works and everything else. Well, God made all of that happen with the, with his voice. Let there be light, and there was light. That's the means by which he created light, was to create the sun right. for us. Well, the means by which he chooses to save some is by using us as his voice to deliver the gospel to them. We are messengers of the truth, but nobody has a, nobody has a chosen uh, <laughs> sign, you know, stapled on their forehead or something. Right. I don't know who is and who isn't. Not my job to discern that. Yeah. Very first time I ever really, really aggressively preached the gospel to someone. I was outside with two, uh, two men, the guy on the right side of me, all American boy, blonde hair, blue eyed, short, short hair, worked hard, everything right. Guy on the other side of me, total and complete burnout, hair yeah. down to his waist, you know, staring out into space. I'm sitting there giving the gospel to the guy with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, sure. thinking this guy's on another planet right now. <laughs> Maybe when he lands later, I'll talk to him. Uh, that guy on the right, the drug addict, went home, flushed yeah. all of his drugs, busted up all of, he was a, uh, he was a dealer, busted up all of his pill presses and everything else, <laughs> got rid of them all, came in the next day to tell me that he had given his life to Christ. He's still serving the Lord today. Wow. To, to this day. The next day, his house was raided by uh, the DEA, uh, yeah. raided his home. And all that stuff was gone. He went and cleaned it all out and got rid of it all the day wow. before. You know, he had no idea that was coming. And the Lord said to me, listen, not your job to choose who to talk to yeah, or right. to tell me who I'm going to save and who I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You know, you open your mouth, but I do the work. Right. right. You know, and that's Isaiah says, you know, uh, the ax doesn't declare itself. It doesn't cut the tree down. Yeah. You know, there, there, it requires someone to hold the ax. And that's, yeah. we're the ax. We're just instruments that God uses to deliver the message. And it's amen. so, did, I'm sorry, did you want to? No, I just said amen oh. because that was a good word. Yeah, because, I know, right? <laughs> I, because I look at that and, and then I look at people who, who don't believe in, uh, I guess, the sov God's sovereignty over salvation and they take an evangelical or event. Ninety percent them. Yeah, let me start God. that over. It's almost like they have edit. they have an we'll yeah they, they they yeah. have a part in the person's salvation. They're yeah. I would never want to think that I'm convincing someone of being saved. I feel like the the pressure is so on the Arminian. Like, I think this is why we have an emerging church and we have fog machines and we have, uh, you know, rock bands during worship and we have, you know, pastors that have, uh, you know, all these sayings and they're, and they're funny and they dress a certain way because it's all a show. I've, we, I've got to convince people of, of who this God is when in fact, uh, my theology says my job is just to go out there and, and tell the truth, love one another, 
live the gospel and God does it yeah. through, through me, but God does it. Yeah. I, I'm not responsible for anyone's salvation. And, and I just look at, you know, that kind of other side of the theological aisle. And I just go, well, no wonder we have all this pomp and circumstance in church because we're relying on us to, to save people. It feels like, well, Greg, we're supposed to put out questionnaires and say, <laughs> Hey, yeah. What do you guys want to hear yeah. on Sundays, yeah. right? Yeah. What do you think? You know, what do you, what do you think we should do here? Yeah, because you tell know? me what it is you want to hear. Right, that's right. not where I'm going. <laughs> right, you know, right. I, I'm glad you're telling me what to avoid. Right, exactly. Because you know, I'm not, I'm not going there. But that's it's me itching ears. Huh? Even, even <laughs> yeah. preaching on a Sunday, it's not my job to convince everybody in the congregation to be obedient to what I'm preaching. Hard enough for me, having spent the week working on the message. And, and preaching the message hard enough for me to hear it myself right. and make sure I do it and, and do everything I can to try to do it, much less think it's my job somehow to move everybody in the church to do what I'm asking them to do. Oh, yeah. That's not my job is to be faithful to the word. Now, the, the, the passion comes because I'm passionate for the word, not because I'm trying to convince them of anything. Right. Right. If you try to do that, you're, it's a you're losing battle. I think it, it's an absolute <laughs> losing battle and you can't tell. We've got a, you've been to the assembly before. Sure. We have a very attentive, we have a small group, very small group. Some of those people have been with me for all 42 years. Wow. I've, well, I've watched all their kids be born and, and I've done their weddings and I've watched them uh, have kids and raise kids. I've been there a long time. And, and uh, so everybody's attentive. Everybody's taking notes. Everybody brings a Bible. You know, it's a well-educated bunch. Uh, not my job, though, to go to their homes, investigate whether they're living their life out the way they should, find out the secret things about them. Uh, I don't want them serving me. I don't want them afraid of me. Yeah. If, if, if this, if the word of God itself doesn't move you to serve the God who wrote it, there's nothing I've got to say and there's nothing I can do that's going to change that. Right. No. Nothing. No. Yeah. And so that's freeing for me because I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have a, a, some sort of a mandate to make sure that whatever I preach is being done somehow, or if, if it's not being done somehow, I'm a failure in the midst of all of this, you know? Right. Uh, no, if, I, if I'm faithful to the word when I get up there, then I'm doing everything God's asked me to do yeah. as, as, a, as a preacher, at least right. from that perspective. No, absolutely. Now, there's shepherding involved and I'm responsible for that too. But yeah. I, I give that everything I can possibly give. Things fall through the cracks no matter how good sure. you are at that, no matter how much time and effort you put into it, no matter what you do, yeah. you know? So none of that's my responsibility. Yeah. My responsibility is to be faithful to what God called me to do. Yeah. Rightly preach the word of God. You're not anyone's guru. No, no. Uh, which we see a tendency towards that in Christian church now too is more more faith in the pastor or leader than in the word of God. Yeah, right. And I tell you what, every single time you put your faith in man, they're going to fail you. Fail you I man. don't care who you are. Oh yeah. Um, but let's switch gears as we finish up here. We've been going strong for about an hour and forty five. This it's has just been so much fun. Just flying I don't know by. If you guys are having fun, but oh, yeah, I'm absolutely. <laughs> We're here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Really, the only reason I don't go longer is most of our analytics say people drop off at about after an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd go for five hours on right, here, but right. I don't know if my computer could upload the hey, file man. that I got to put in there. Three, three episodes. Just cut them, you know? <laughs> That's true, yeah, too. Right. We could always just chop them up. I'm 68. I go to bed at nine. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. okay. Hey, okay. I'm 39. All right. I go to bed at nine. Yeah. So it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I got to. We have a we have a baby. We we just had a new 
newborn well, babies. So yeah, yeah. So you're not yeah, even getting yeah. that much sleep anyway, probably. Huh? Yeah. Well, no, it's actually fine. Um, uh, you know, the only thing is, is if there's like a little noise, you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like don't turn that knob so loud. Yeah. You right. know, in the house. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm at the age where I'm becoming like a baby. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm up. I'm up all the time, gotcha, all night long. Gotcha. You know? yeah, yeah. And you got to be real quiet. You got to be real quiet in the quiet. afternoon yeah. for Greg. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh man, I'm the exact opposite though. My creative juices get flown about six, seven o'clock, and then it's like you know, it's yeah. hard when you got to get up early for homeschool, and then you know, I'd love to stay up till midnight, one o'clock. That's yeah. when I'm active. But anyway, let's talk about let's touch on the providence of God. You yeah. touched on it a little bit when you were talking about sovereignty, mm-hmm. um, and this is an area to where I really didn't even start studying or getting into till maybe three, four years ago. I knew what it was kind of a surface level definition of it didn't really hadn't really read anything on it uh just found out about two years ago that the divine providence of god is actually a line in the declaration of independence oh. it's put in by uh sherman who was also a calvinist and is the only founding father to sign all four documents which Sweet. is kind of fun but what what does that mean the biblical definition of providence what what does that mean to you or how would you explain that well that's that's god's governing hand over every single moving atom and action thought of everything that goes on in the the world as it is Okay, uh, that's his 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 operational control. And you're saying div- divine providence, divine where? providence, it, it, extending to the number of hairs on your head and a sparrow falling to the ground. Uh, Isaiah 46 to a man who he says uh, a, a man who who does what I send him to do across the country to deliver a message, you know, uh, to the fowl of the air coming for a feast uh, for dead bodies. You know, all of that is my decree. You know, I do that. Sure. You know, and and everything that I purpose comes to pass. Isaiah 55, you know, uh, uh, 8 through 11 or whatever it is, 5 through 8, there in 55. Uh, So that's that's got Stonewall Jackson, a man who strongly believed in providence. Stonewall used to say he was as safe in the battlefield as he was on his porch at home. He was one of the few generals who actually rode in with his men into battle. Most generals sat wow. back on a hill someplace and sent messengers in back and forth to give orders. He rode with his men. Wow. He came back from one battle with seven bullet holes through his clothing. Some of it hit skin, but none of it hit anything vital. None of it did any real damage. They were trying to shoot him and couldn't shoot him right. into battle because he, he, it wasn't because he believed he was safe. It's because he was safe. It was in the Lord's hand, and he knew that. Now, Stonewall, right. late in the war, Stonewall and two of his his uh, officers went off into the night to get a glimpse of the army ca- encampment to see where it was and what it looked like. And and uh, on the way back in the dark, there was a 14-year-old soldier who was on sentry duty, had fallen asleep. He was awakened by the horses. Instead of calling out for the password, he stood up and fired his weapon. The, the, the ball hit Stonewall on the leg. He got gangrene. He died oh, Wow! from being shot by his own guy. Friendly All fire. the enemies wow. couldn't do it. You see, that's providence. If, if, if you go into battle and you believe there's even a single bullet that's traveling on its own, doing its own thing, doing landing wherever it does, how do you, how do you have confidence in God if he's only yeah. in charge of the, of the bullets he wants to be in charge in or chooses to be in charge in? Everything is under his control. Every right. aspect of it is under control. That's providence. When you trust in his providence, you're, you're saying that 
there's nothing that's happening in my life that God hasn't ordained for some purpose that's good for me and honoring to him. Right. To bring him glory. To bring him glory, whatever that might be. That might include my death. Yeah. Or death of a loved one. Or the death or the death of a loved one. David's David got together with Bathsheba and the firstborn child died. Yeah. You you can when you exposit that, you can skip that if you want to. Uh, you can skip Lot's daughters having sex with them after, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Those things happened in Scripture. And they created, those two girls had kids that created tribes that were at odds and played a role in the history of the nation of Israel. Right. Yeah. All of that plays a role. When we look at the genealogies in, in the Gospels, uh, you know, of all the names that we see, there are hundreds of names missing from that genealogy of people we'll never know that did nothing in life that were good or bad that were inserted in the midst of that to carry the line from here to here right you know and yet they all played a role didn't they yeah Yeah. they didn't they don't belong in the history book they didn't do anything grand they might not have even been decent people uh they might have been unbelievers but they served the purpose of carrying that genealogy through to the next person that's in line and so everything serves that providential purpose and that includes he controls the weather he controls the government listen if you're listening to cnn and you think and you're worried about uh, nadler and and all these people in congress you're worried about the wrong things right you know those those are those people are not in charge uh, I can go back to Watergate and I can go back in my life a lot further than you guys can go and see all the hubbub and the fear and government's failing. And we've got a gas lines in the 80 from the the, the, the oil crisis and everything else. We're all still here, right? I mean, we're yeah. worried about stuff. This nation will be here for as long as God deems it'll be here. Yep. Right. Doesn't matter how long that is. Which there is a real peace in that. Now, yeah. it's not nihilism. You don't go, oh, well... God's in control. So whatever happens, happens, right? We act, we're active in our faith. We're active in our community. We're maybe active in politics or the the system, you know, active in all those things. But there's a real peace for me when I understand what providence and his sovereignty is. Yeah. And, And I think it's the peace that surpasses all understanding as Jesus said. Yeah. And I really, I really hope, and I'm, and I'm, you know, get choked up thinking about that. The Lord would even allow me to have that peace, uh, the sinner that I was and still am. But I, I, I wish more people could understand that and have that same type of peace because I see uh, Christians that I've known that have been Christians for a long time, like you say, in church every week, right? But I don't know if necessarily the length of time that you've attended a church really has anything to do with your maturity maturity or your sanctification or even truly understanding who God is because I see him tossed to and fro with every new situation. And like you said earlier, uh, or every new trial, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Look, uh, you go back to even just a couple thousand years ago to Rome and the evilness that was going on there. And you know, the empires before and after that, we can create all these, these things, the diseases and famines. And, uh, but this has been since the fall of Adam, Yeah, we, we've been dealing with this. And the only one thing that remains constant is God. Um, and, and when we understand that we're, we're held in the palm of his hands, and like you said, throughout scripture, we see providence talked about in the sparrow, right? Uh, hairs on your head, formed yeah. in my womb, called me by name. I mean, there's so many examples of 
God's providence throughout the scriptures. We can't ignore it, right? We we can't throw it out. Uh, we you know we don't. I guess you can if if you really want to. You know, I saw not to get off subject, but I I saw the funniest meme, and it said, you know, predestination is talked about twenty seven times in the New Testament. Yeah, exactly. And it says Arminian. Oh, it must be talking about free will. You know? <laughs> but it's one of those things you can ignore those things in the Bible if you want. It can make you uncomfortable and not talk about it. But when you fully accept it and you go. Oh my goodness! He he can like you said he controls the dust mite that's floating in the air. Yeah, uh, right. it's under his purview. Boy, does that give me such a peace? Because at the end, yeah, it might cost my his his plan for my life might be my death. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not going to step out in front of a bus. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> right. to look right. both ways before I cross the street. Sure, I'm going to lock my doors before I go to bed at night. I'm going to check to make sure the garage is down and the doors sure. are locked. Wisdom and discernment, right? You break into my house. I'm 68 years old. I've got like 45 seconds of raw fury and then I've got to take a nap. I'm, I'm, I'm not fighting with you. I, if I can't get to my weapon and shoot you, I might be in big trouble, but I don't wake all night looking and listening for sounds and right. see who might be breaking into my right. house. Check the garage 16 times. I right. check it. I go to bed, Yeah, you know, and I yeah. trust that if the Lord needs me to be up, to take care of a situation, he'll wake me up. He'll cause me to hear the sounds I need to hear. Yeah. He'll put me in a position to be able to protect my wife because that's what I'll do. Or maybe she'll protect me because she's meaner than I am. <laughs> and, but one way or the other, I can't stay awake all night worrying about all of that stuff right. Right, all the time. Because, there, listen, there's enough stresses pastoring to keep you awake at night. Yeah. Yeah. And those are things you're not worried about things outside. You're worried about whether or not you made a, a right decision. You followed up. You know, I worry all the time that I've let something fall through the cracks with somebody. Sure. You know, I let somebody down someplace. I wasn't there when I should have been there. I didn't do what I should have done. I didn't say the right thing. I mean, and I know, and I know better, you know, yeah. I mean, really, but nonetheless, uh, you know, there's enough to keep me awake at night, but it's not this world. Yeah, it's not the things going on in this world. I got enough on my plate as it is. I worry about the things God put on my table to right. deal with, and and that's plenty for me. Right. I now pay attention to the news once in a while to make sure the world didn't blow up, and and sure. you know there hasn't been something major going. But you know, listen, I, I'll I'll vote as with as much knowledge as I know how to vote. Sure. I'll do everything I know how to do in this community. I'll get to know people like you. Uh, you know, because I, I want to be able to know that we're we're doing our best to be the right kind of influence in this community, right. in this county. Uh, I want to do those things. But I also know in the end, I have I have no real influence, you know, in the, in yeah. the truth that God hasn't given to me and that God isn't doing the credit still doesn't go to me. Right. It goes to him. Absolutely. One of these days, listen, 42 years, one of these days, I'll be gone from the assembly. Nobody will come a day. Nobody will know who I was. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'll just be gone. Yeah. You right. know, I, I, it's not my lasting legacy. Yeah. Church doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. Right. So you work and you do and you serve until the Lord takes you. We're, we're his instruments. Amen. Right. That's a blessing and a privilege. No, it really is. Yeah. Jason, you got anything to add to that? How are you going to top that? Man, By the, I, I, but before yeah. you do say that, I do think if you ever go into like WWF wrestling, Raw Fury should be your wrestling name. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Greg Fury. Raw Fury. Yeah. yeah. Just 45 <laughs> seconds of Raw Fury and then he taps out. Where is he at? He's taking a nap. <laughs> taking a nap. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this has been great. I've been really blessed by this conversation and, uh, yeah. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any final words for us before we wrap it up? We had about a good two hours here. Yeah. Some good discussion. It's been two hours? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm still awake. Still awake. Yeah, you know, let's put a pot of coffee on. Keep it yeah, going, man. Not off at any time during the conversation. Well, yeah. do you have anything uh, for anyone listening? We get a lot of people in Ohio and Michigan that listen. So if you want, uh, towards the end of the episode here right now, maybe just give a shout out once again, your church, where you guys are at. If anyone's inter- interested in maybe visiting or where they can find yeah. you at online. Um, Assembly of Christians is the name of the church. Mm-hmm. It's on Westerns Road, just uh, a little bit west of Secor. So we're right in in the heart of thriving metropolis of Lambertville. <laughs> right. Uh, services uh, start at ten thirty for now because we're not we're we're back to live services again this week. Uh, but services start at ten thirty. Sunday school at nine thirty. When we get back to that, we're not back to there yet. Uh, com is the website okay. you can get anything you want there assembly of christians on facebook uh that's the public uh facebook site that's where messages are live stream posted okay on sunday or they're recorded and posted uh in uh, audio only on online in fact i think they started posting on our website some of the uh, videos as well so uh and where can people find you if they want to reach out to you are you on online anywhere um, I think I know I've seen you on Facebook. We're Facebook friends, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. And they can just get a hold of you there at yeah. Greg Withrow. Greg Withrow on Facebook uh, in, uh, in Lambertville. I live in Green Hills okay. out here. So, uh, and, and again, this is my hometown. Graduated in 69. Wow. My grad, wife graduated in 70. Um, you know, uh, you can get online, send me an email. You can, uh, Willow Walker, W-I-L-L-O-W, W A L K E R 51 at okay. gmail.com if they want to email me. Uh, my phone number is on the website. It's my number. It's not, awesome. the, it's not the church number. Uh, so if you it goes call, right to you. if you go, it calls, it goes to me. I've never had a secretary. Hmm. I've never had anybody do any of that work for me. I do. If you, yeah. if you call me, uh, I answer. Uh, a funny story, if, if, if it got a moment, is when, sure. we, when we were doing TRTC that's we reform conferences. Yeah. I, you, if you'd have been around, you'd have loved that. We had Moeller, oh, we had Moeller, MacArthur, Deaver, oh Duncan. Yeah. We had all those guys here. Uh, Mike, Call them up and tell them to yeah, be on the right. podcast. Will you? <laughs> Mike Horton. <laughs> One day I, I wanted to call Sinclair Ferguson yeah. and I got his phone number in Scotland and I'm not good at direction and time. And I thought, I was calling him early, but he's six hours ahead, ahead of me. Yeah. I called him at two in the morning. <laughs> That's a good, good first impression. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, he, he answers the phone and he goes, uh, he was very kind and he goes, uh, do you know what time it is? <laughs> and, and after I asked him to come, he accepted and he came to the really? conference. Yeah. And oh, then when wow. he got done before he hung up, he goes, oh, by the way, you never knew when I might call you sometime. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And you did that from 94 to 08, right? Yeah, 94 to 08. And where were the conferences held? Uh, we had them at a couple different places. Uh, but in Toledo, though, right? Yeah, in Toledo. Most most every year we were at Emmanuel Baptist. Emmanuel let us use okay. their, their... Because when we had MacArthur here, MacArthur came and did a three-day shepherds conference we had several hundred pastors come to a shepherds conference and then that was followed by a a friday saturday general conference with macarthur and he had 11 of his guys here but macarthur mike horton steve camp 
uh, Don Kistler and, and guys yeah. were, were here for that. So we had five days. We had, a, we had less than 100 members in our church, and we had 650 people that we fed and, and covered all the costs and everything for for five days. Wow. Uh, we used to say at the church, listen, if your kid can't crawl, bring them or use them as a doorstop. Everybody huh. works. All right. You know, that's the way it is. And, but we did that for, we did that for, uh, for 94 to 2008. Our last conference was on eschatology. And we oh, covered yeah. all three of the major um, running speakers that believed in all three different positions, the major positions anyway. And yeah. uh, how'd you get involved with that? Uh, we lived here. We, in 89, we were the only reformed church I even knew of in the entire yeah. area. And so we wanted the word to get out. And we didn't want, I didn't want our congregation to feel isolated. Right. You know, because you're, you're, you begin to wonder, is there something wrong with us that we're the only ones that are doing <laughs> yeah. this? And so uh, I got hooked up with uh, with Don Kissler and John Gerstner at the time. John, I don't know if you know who John Gerstner yeah. is. I was with John Gerstner when he when he had his stroke in Pittsburgh. Oh wow! And uh, but we had we had Gerstner out and Kissler out. We just wanted to bring some theological training to Toledo and allow our members to see that there are other people. Right. And so uh, we just kept going with it. And every year it just, uh, you know, we, again, we, we ended up with, uh, with Moeller and Deaver and, and yeah. MacArthur and everybody and their brother out here. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a real trip. Yeah. 89 was definitely uh, a ways before this resurgence we've seen in yeah. the last five, eight, 10 years. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, uh, way there before. Was, yeah. There's probably nothing. So you weren't, area. you weren't waiting for the end of the world in 89? or 88 right 88 and 89 wasn't wasn't there a book that was written that was like 89 reasons yeah it didn't happen in 1988 Uh, or something i stood up in the pulpit and i held that little booklet up in my hands and i said if i see this booklet in this church i'm going to show you the door oh are you serious yeah absolutely that's awesome and i threw that on the floor yeah i said that we are not doing this here yeah Wow. And uh, nobody brought it in. Everybody That's stayed great. away from it. So uh, that was, yeah. It's awesome. Wow. Well, Greg, it was great to have you here. Pastor Greg yeah. Withrow. Yeah. Uh, great to have you. Jason? P- PG is what everybody calls me. PG? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. I like that. I was going to make a snarky remark about, I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll leave it for later. <laughs> yeah, we probably for later. might have to edit that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, pa- PG? Yeah. Yeah. And Jay? Yeah. Uh-huh. Didn't call you Josh this I time. I know. I was like, called him Josh two times, and his name's Jason. Man, yeah. You know, when somebody calls you the wrong name, you think, did, yeah. did, are, are we friends? Are, are, are <laughs> we? Are we? You know, like, no. Have I known you since we it, were sixteen? Just fifteen? What was it? I don't just even a know. Sang, now. Just a sanguine personality class. with ADD. I know. Buddy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Half right. the time, I don't yeah. even know there's other people in yeah. the room. <laughs> right. I, I I get I that if I call wall. my wife Carol. <laughs> oh dear. If I say Carol, she'll stop and look at me. and Goes. What is that about? <laughs> oh, you know, because she's, she's in trouble or what? well, she's CJ. She's my baby. We got, right. you yeah. know, I mean, all yeah. these other names, Carol right. would yeah. actually be something she'd sign on a check. Yeah. You know, that's, we don't use those words, you know? So. It's funny because my, with my grandparents growing up, they would call each other mother and father. Oh, yeah. I said, why, you know, what is it? And now I said, Hey, Hey mama, what's going on? Uh, because the kids call. Or mama. Right. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing exactly what my grand, you know? And she'll say, hey, daddy. 
It, just because you got it, small kids, it's just, oh, everything's mommy and daddy. Yeah. It's, you know? But that's in how you say it, because I'll say, hey, mama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. We got to watch knows, out here yeah. what you're saying. Greg. No, she knows the difference between those mamas, all right? <laughs> but you are married, though. So that's right. Cool. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, husband and wife are supposed to enjoy Amen. each other in the confines of marriage. I'll tell you what, when you were talking about your wife, I feel the same way, and I know you feel the same way about Mandy. <laughs> I mean, the Lord just blessed me with a wise, wise, wise Amen. woman. Yeah. Uh, I always tell people, I'm the head of the family, but guess what? The neck turns the head. Man, she's <laughs> definitely the neck. Yep. I'm the head and of the, the family because she told me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, isn't it a blessing to have yeah. a, a woman of God uh, as your wife? And yeah. I know we all three are blessed with that. I, I tell people all the time, anytime I get off on a tangent on something I want to do, she just goes, all right, yeah, that's fine. Just pray about it and ask God about it then because you're the, you know and that in that submission there is power because now she's saying okay if we're going to go with what you want just submit it before the Lord for in every time she gets me because look at I'm not going to go to the Lord with what I want yeah. she she knows I'm gonna come back and go yeah you're right that was just something I wanted <laughs> right. to do you know yeah. uh so I can't pull a fast one on her she outsmarts me with wisdom and discernment all the time but uh PJ Jason it was so great for you guys to sit down and talk to us so much wisdom that you brought to us uh tonight PJ I really appreciate it and guys for those listening feel free to um check him out online and all the places he mentioned and if you want listen if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify or iHeart make sure you uh, Leave us a comment. Leave us five stars. It always helps on those platforms as well. So once again, thanks for listening, and we will see you around. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.